Welcome in to the Saturday edition of the Fun Astrology Podcast. Thomas Miller here. It is July 16th, and we are going to talk financial astrology today. And we do have some stuff to talk about, don't we? Thursday, boom, Friday, right? So what are we doing here? What in the world is going on? Well, let's take a quick look at the sky to kind of set the stage of this, first of all, on this Saturday. Fortunately, this is being recorded right after a void, of course, when the moon then entered Pisces at 418 this morning. Now, also this afternoon, the sun conjoins Mercury in Cancer. So we have a good setup with the Aquarian moon to be talking about this. And we have the planet of communication conjoining the sun. So hopefully that also brings these words to you in peaceful, serene, Cancerian fashion. And just a reminder, those two trines tomorrow to Neptune, early in the morning, Mercury, late in the afternoon, evening, the sun, both trining retrograde Neptune tomorrow. Now, before we launch into this, I want to welcome those who might be coming over from the MMACycles.com newsletter itself, because in this week's newsletter, I'd like to read you this to begin Not to be self-serving, but to be welcoming those of you who might be joining us. Ray says in one of the notes at the end of the newsletter, some of you may be interested in listening to the excellent podcasts of Thomas Miller called Fun Astrology. Every Saturday, he leads a podcast discussing the MMA weekly column that you are reading here. He simplifies it for beginning astrologers and students of markets and trading. I like it because, one, it's educational, and two, Thomas is an excellent broadcaster speaker. He has experience in broadcasting, astrology, and financial markets. Check it out. I think you'll like what he's doing as well. I could not be more honored. Ray, thank you very much. I'm not going to belabor or dwell on this. I'm just very humbled. We are talking about a man, folks, that has been doing this. Like, my dad was a retail stockbroker, so I grew up with this. I became interested in it before college, especially after college. That was the early to mid-1980s. And I was aware back then of this guy by the name of Merriman who was writing a newsletter about the markets. So to have all of this come such full circle now is just beyond my belief, really. But for those of you joining us from the newsletter and not from the podcast, welcome. We hope you like what you hear and we'll stick around. At the end, not to belabor this anymore here, I will mention a couple of other podcasts that I'm doing directly, one of them personal and another one astrology, pure astrology, and let you know of those as well. Now, like we said, Thursday the market was way down. Friday the market was way up. What in the world is going on here? Let's dig in. This week's newsletter, of course, is from the website MMACycles.com, where Ray Merriman, uh, the dean, in my opinion, of financial astrology, writes a free weekly column You find it at the top of that website. There's a menu bar there. It says free weekly forecast, and that will take you right to it. I recommend that you check the box at the right of that page where you get it delivered to your email every Friday evening. Ray's work is worth keeping up on knowing what he is teaching and what's going on in the markets. Now, here we begin. From the Wall Street Journal, article entitled Dow Rises Nearly 600 Points on Retail Spending Data. Investors, it says, are trying to assess how officials will balance the need to tame inflation with concerns over a potential U.S. recession. U.S. consumer inflation accelerated to 9.1% in June. 
a pace not seen in more than four decades, boosting expectations among traders that the Federal Reserve will raise interest rates more aggressively to tame it. At the same time, tighter financial conditions could weigh on growth. End quote. Now, from the newsletter. The tug-of-war for control of the trend in world stock indices continues. On Thursday, it looked like the heartbeat of the bulls was barely audible, but by Friday, it showed signs of life again. The lows of June 16th to 20th continue to hold in many regions, which supports the bullish case for a significant rally. Yet, the chart pattern continues to exhibit lower highs and lower lows of any cycle other than the two- to four-week trading cycle in the U.S., and that has to change if the bulls are going to gain control. Now, let me just elaborate on that so you get a mental picture. Some of you are quite new to this, and I want you to make sure you understand what he's saying. When he says the chart pattern continues to exhibit lower highs and lower lows, that's the sign of a downtrend. In other words, as the market goes up and makes a peak and starts to come back down, that peak is lower in price than the previous high. And the lows go lower than the previous low. Classic sign of a downtrend. Reverse that, you get an uptrend. So what are we looking for? Higher highs and higher lows. Don't want to oversimplify that, but I do want those of you trying to lock on to the visual in your mind to be able to paint that picture. In the United States, the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the S&P 500 Index broke below their lows of early July, but the NASDAQ did not. The recent rallies did not make new trading cycle highs except with the NASDAQ, so the tech-heavy index is already showing signs of an emerging bull run. Remember, when all of this bro- this is me commenting now, when this all broke in January and things started down, the NASDAQ led things down, and it's been obvious to me trading over this past week that the NASDAQ was showing more fundamental signs of strength, subtle but there. Now, this is an interesting section. While the fight for trend dominance is a struggle with the world stock indices, the picture is much clearer in the other markets. Currencies, for example, fell to their lowest levels since 2002 against the U.S. dollar, which soared to its highest level since December 2002. The euro briefly fell below par, or 1.000, for the first time since 2002. The yen fell to its lowest level against the dollar since September 1998. As the dollar surged and other currencies fell, gold and silver also fell hard. Gold dropped briefly below 1700 for the first time since August 9th of last year, right in line with our analysis given in our special long-term update on gold in last week's MMA Cycles Report. And if you would like to order that Cycles Report, the information on how to do that is in the announcements section of the newsletter. Silver also fell to $18.01 on Thursday, July 14th, its lowest mark since June 2020. In other markets, crude oil plunged to $90.56 on July 14th, its lowest price since February 25th. You're saying, wait a minute, oil plunged and gasoline is still pretty much the same price? What's going on there? (laughs) It's not funny, but they say that oil prices go up like a rocket 
and fall like a feather. On the crypto front, Bitcoin and Ethereum showed some signs of life as they rallied modestly into Friday. Commodities do not like the prospect of higher interest rates despite higher inflation because higher interest rates increases the strength of the dollar, which is how payments are made in most cases. Stocks, on the other hand, don't always go down when interest rates rise, though they mostly have this year, but probably more due to the fact that inflation is still too high. On the other hand, savers will now start receiving interest on their savings, and that can portend more purchasing power ahead. Yet, purchasing power, or demand, is not the problem as the White House seems to think it is. The problem is supply chain disruptions, which means adequate supplies are not available. The economy needs more supply, and hence supply-side economics is needed to break the back of inflation and not more demand, which only increases inflation until the supply chain issues are fixed. What he's basically saying here is it's economics 101. If you have more money chasing fewer items, prices are still going to continue to go up. So he's absolutely nailing this on the head. This is a political issue. Common sense economics, unfortunately, are not part of what's going on right now. That's my commentary, not Ray's. Back to the newsletter. With Uranus again moving into a waning square to Saturn this autumn, that broken supply chain issue is not likely to be resolved in the immediate future. In the meantime, the Biden administration needs to get off the idea that it needs more stimulus for the economy. That will not fix the inflation problem. It will only make it worse. Fix the supply chain problems and make energy more available until we get past this crisis then make the turn to alternate forms of energy that may not be ready to assume dominancy until the second half of this decade, when Uranus will trine Pluto in air signs. Oh my, don't you wish the world understood astrology? Let's look at the geocosmics, both shorter and long-term thoughts. <laughs> this section begins, if you can get back into the 1968 groove of Jerry Lee Lewis, a whole lot of shaking going on. Well, I said, come on over, baby. We got chickens in the barn. Come on over, baby. I got the bull by the horns. We ain't faking. A whole lot of shaking going on. And yes, there is a whole lot of shaking going on in the world financial markets these days and even more to come. I got to tell you, this section is some great astrology and great market information combined. This is really putting it all together. We are about to enter the most unstable but potentially exciting and dramatic geocosmic time band of the year. And it starts this week with the first of three semi-squares between Jupiter and Saturn. The waxing semi-square is the first one-eighth phase of that important 20-year planetary cycle, the period in the cycle that I refer to as the abortion point. That is to say that one's effort that began at the conjunction usually has its first real test at the one-eighth phase of the planetary cycle. That is when one must decide whether to continue with the effort begun nearby to the conjunction or give it up and go back to the ways of old. 
In this case, the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn unfolded on December 21, 2020, when they conjoined in the sky. That was just one month after the last U.S. election and one month before the storming of the U.S. Capitol prior to the inauguration of the current Biden administration. All of that is now up for review, decision, and judgment. It's right on time. The first one-eighth phase of the Jupiter-Saturn cycle, known as a waxing semi-square, takes place in three passages because of retrogrades. First, on July 21st, Thursday of this coming week, followed by two more, September 21st, then March 21st, 2023. During this time, the United States will decide and make a judgment on whether to accept or to abort the efforts that were initiated in November 2020 through January 2021. Jupiter-Saturn is all about laws and judgment. The semi-square is all about allowing or stopping an initiative that began then. I mentioned in a previous episode, I was with some friends down in St. Augustine on that conjunction. We set a telescope up on a dock overlooking the intercoastal waterway, and I remember looking up there, sitting down on the bench, and just saying, I so wonder what you two have in store. Well, here's another phase from that cycle. Those initiatives in the United States have to do with both the actions and the policies of Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Both are being critically evaluated for their judgment now. It is possible that both will be rebuked by the courts and popular opinion. However, the semi-square of Jupiter and Saturn by itself is not going to cause a whole lot of shaken in financial markets. A whole lot of shaken requires the presence of Uranus and its trigger, Mars. Remember, in the afternoon of July 26th, Uranus conjoins the North Node in Taurus, and Mars is just four degrees away from that conjunction. He mentions and elaborates on this in a minute, but I just wanted you to remember, stick that date in your mind. Not this week, but the following Tuesday is when that takes place. Then Mars conjoins Uranus a few days later, as you will hear. It is not by chance that Uranus has rulership over earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, high winds, and electrical blackouts. So where is Uranus in this cosmic scheme of things? It is moving ever closer to another waning square with Saturn, the same power couple that rocketed world stock markets to their all-time high or multi-year highs during the three-passage series of February 17th through December 24th, 2021. And those of you who have been around here know that we were talking about this, even in 2020, and especially during that period last year when they were happening, and the wheels didn't fall off the bus. That is, until January 5th of this year. But you've got to lock into your mind Saturn and Uranus square because it goes back to every, traces back every major U.S. recession, back to the Great Depression, and it was present during the Great Depression itself. So, Ray says, try to understand this image that is coalescing in the heavens for the next three months. Saturn is returning to within less than one degree of its waning square to Uranus again. 
September 21st through 28th, 2022. Jupiter, which likes everything big, will be midway between these harbingers of disruption, as in supply chain disruptions. In fact, Jupiter will make three semi-squares to not only Saturn, as given above, but also to Uranus on September 29th and December 23rd, 2022, and then a third time, June 19th, 2023. So, baby, there's going to be a whole lot of Jupiter, shaken Uranus, going on with these three planets. And it starts this week, July 21st, and lasts mostly through the end of the year but is especially strong September 21st through 28th, 2022, plus or minus seven weeks. It's coming, and we'd better be prepared for something seriously extreme. But that's not all. Mars, the trigger for anything dramatic in world markets, geopolitics, or nature, will conjoin Uranus in Taurus on August 1st and square Saturn in Aquarius on August 7th. Aquarius, the sign that Uranus rules in modern astrology and Saturn rules in ancient astrology, thus making Saturn important too. I hope you guys realize that you are getting some serious financial astrology right here. Take note. Listen to how he's putting these planets and these configurations together. Mars also forms a stellium with the moon's north node in the banking and agricultural sign of Taurus. That's what we mentioned previously. As an aside, Ray addresses it specifically here. What is a stellium? We talked about it in yesterday's podcast. Perfect timing. Three or more planets in a sign or a house. Here we are talking about Uranus, Mars, and the north node, all in Taurus. That's the stellium. So Uranus conjoins the node on the 26th. Mars conjoins Uranus on August 1st. And that, Ray says, is the trigger to some potentially serious rumbling on Earth and probably a whole lot of shaken in financial markets. It's interesting that many politicians and voters are already worried about electrical blackouts this summer for good reason, given this astrological setup. So, what exactly does a whole lot of shaken in the financial markets mean? The stock markets of the world have been relatively quiet since their lows of June 16th to 20th. How much can they move? Well, let me give you an idea. Last August 20th, 2021, Mars... Jupiter, Saturn, and Uranus were all highlighted, most notably Uranus's station and the Sun-Jupiter opposition. The Japanese Nikkei Index made a 16-and-a-half-month cycle low that day at 26,954. Three weeks later, on September 14th, it was up to 30,795, its highest level in nearly 30 years. In just three weeks, it soared nearly 4,000 points and appreciated over 
we could see a similar move in August-September this year, only it's unclear whether it will be up or down yet. If it follows the pattern of the Saturn-Uranus waning square of 2021, it will be sharply higher, as illustrated in the Nikkei's performance of last summer. If instead it follows the 90-year cycle of alternating Saturn-Uranus waning square, as in back to 1932 and 1842, it would likely be more indicative of a panic. So, you can see this tug-of-war is about to end. One side is going to capitulate, and the other will prevail, probably in a dramatic climax. We should get a sense of this July 25th to August 7th, when Jupiter will turn retrograde and form a trine with the Sun and a square with Venus, followed by the conjunction of Mars, Uranus, and the Moon's North Node, all square to Saturn. So, make sure your generator is working and don't risk your lifestyle on any trade or dangerous activity. Otherwise, there may be a whole lot of more shaking going on. And please, turn off the lights when you leave. What a great article. Now, disclaimer time. This is not a podcast of financial advice, an episode of financial advice, a newsletter of financial advice, either by its author or by me. This is obviously reading through and a little bit of commentary approved by Ray Merriman to be doing this with his work. Free published article available on his website. But I think there are some things that we could extrapolate and take away from this. And these are my added opinions. As I'm reading through this, I read through it from the eyes of somebody that's been trading in the markets since the 1980s. I've been doing it for a long time. I'm learning with you how to apply astrology to it because, of course, I was blinded to astrology back then. And also, even though my dad, who I mentioned, was a stockbroker for a long time, in his era, you bought it, as he said, you buy a good stock and you stay with it, which is not unsimilar to what many of you are probably doing with your 401k. You have it in some kind of an index-related fund to this or that index, and you pretty well just kind of have to ride it through. Listening through those ears, I know that this is some ominous information, especially if your choice is to ride out the storm and if the storm becomes the shadow side of what he just mentioned. And like we've talked about, you can see these planetary aspects show up in the markets every single day. When Mars entered Taurus a couple of weeks ago, the market dropped almost 700 points. It recovered, but there was a big drop on that morning. You can take the daily aspects and you can look at the trading activity of the day and you can see it hit at particular times. It's about a 75% accuracy, which in the markets is really, really good. But you can. You can take the daily aspects, look at the stock price movement, and see pivots during the day. So I go back to our little mantra around here, you can't make this stuff up. This is where I mentioned last week, and we'll reiterate again this week. These are things where you need to get with your financial advisor, get with your intuition, have a family meeting, and decide what, if any, action you might take based on hearing this kind of news. The vast majority of you are long-term investors, 
Some of you might do some shorter time frame trading, swing trading, or day trading. For you, this kind of movement in that short of a period of time could make a substantial amount of money. What I would suggest, this is just friendly Thomas advice, is if you don't know how to trade the markets on a shorter-term basis, don't try to be a hero. Short-term trading is a definite skill set that few are ever successful with consistently. Be careful. I mentioned a couple of other podcasts. We have Robert Glasscock's Old Soul, New Soul Astrology podcast that we've just started. I think we've got, we're up to almost 30 episodes in there now. But some just amazing astrological learning and knowledge from somebody that's been doing this since the 1960s. And then my personal audio blog, basically, Subconscious Mind Mastery, where I tell the story of a later-in-life transformation from hitting a lifetime bottom to turning things around at nearly age 50. So those of you coming over from Ray's newsletter would love to have you check out those as well. I know we did listener questions yesterday. I have some more, and I'd love to answer them. If I have time and I can work it in, we'll try to do that tomorrow. If not, we'll get to them as we can through the week. Thank you so much, Ray, for permission to do this. Thank you for listening, and welcome to those of you coming over from the newsletter. We'll see you guys tomorrow or Monday. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.